Welcome to a new episode of Eval Edge, a podcast series by European Evaluation Society that focuses on cutting-edge topics in evaluation. My name is Alena Lappo, and today I will be your host. We will speak today about evaluating private sector engagement in development cooperation. In particular, we will touch upon challenges and opportunities regarding the quality of private sector evaluations. I have with me uh, in virtual studio two senior evaluators from DEVAL, the German Institute for Development Evaluation. They are Amelie Zullenberg, the head of the department, and Magdalena Ort, senior evaluator and team leader. I also have with me Jose Carbajo, my EAS colleague and the leader of thematic working group on private sector within EAS. Welcome to all of you. It's a pleasure to have you here. So let me start with Jose. Jose, uh, would you like to tell a few words uh, why uh, it's important to evaluate in uh, private sector engagement? And could you please introduce the topic? Thank you, Alina. It is a pleasure to accompany you as well as Amelie and Magdalena in this podcast. The investment challenges the world faces to achieve the sustainable development goals and those related to the net zero agenda around climate adaptation and mitigation are quite large and they continue to remind us of the, I would say, quintessential role the private sector is called to play to address those challenges. So understanding the outcomes of engaging with the private sector in emerging markets and developing economies, and also how to use innovative evaluation methods to do so, are important issues. Also the focus of the EES thematic working group on private sector evaluation that I am involved with. So. All in all, I think it's very timely, therefore, to, to learn from the recent evaluation synthesis exercise on private sector engagement that DEVAL has carried out. I want to thank Amelie and Magdalena for sharing with us their findings and recommendations today. Thank you very much, Jose. Uh, the pleasure is ours, the pleasure is EAS, because it's not the first uh, uh, podcast that we conduct uh, covering the subject of private sector. Um, let me turn uh, into Amelie. Amelia, uh, why uh, Deval decided to conduct such type of evaluation and turn into private sector engagement? Yes, thank you, um, Alina and Jose, for having us. We are very pleased to be here. Um, the reason that Deval undertook this study is actually twofold. One is that our mandate is very much to undertake um, evaluations at strategic level. So meta evaluations and evaluation synthesis count to that kind. The second is that we have set the private sector engagement, i.e. the cooperation between public and private parties in development cooperation as one of our thematic focal areas since 2016. And as a consequence, we had already conducted a number of studies in different thematic areas like the support to global value chains or the private sector cooperation model and as well to uh, blended finance, actually. So Magdalena has um, done a study on structured funds in 2020, and we are very happy to indulge a bit deeper with the synthesis on the private sector engagement cross sectors. Yes, and in addition to what Amelie just mentioned, it is a given that private sector engagement gains more and more importance over years. Um, so more should be inquired and known about its actual role and effectiveness. Um, evaluations on individual projects do exist, but not many synthesis of findings on private sector engagement. 
Um, and that is why the purpose of our synthesis is twofold. Um, first, to identify wider effects of private sector engagement activities in development cooperation, meaning across sectors and across development cooperation agents. And second, to review the quality of evaluations and studies in this particular field. Thank you very much for, for your responses. I totally agree with you that uh, uh, there could be more studies done on evaluating private sector engagement and its effectiveness. So our listeners uh, would be interested to hear about uh, the methodological approaches you took in this evaluation, because evaluation synthesis require um, a separate methodological approaches. And uh, would you like to tell uh, to our listeners uh, the methods you used, uh, why did you decide uh, those particular methods, and uh, maybe some challenges you experienced, and how did you overcome them? Yes, of course. Um, as you rightly said, Alina, an evaluation synthesis is very special. Um, it aims to summarize the findings from various evaluations and studies within one thematic area, in this case, the private sector engagement. And to be honest, we were initially not really sure about how much evidence would, would there be out there uh, available on the subject. And uh, we have set the period that we look at quite large, actually, from 2010 to 2020. And we were very happy to see that it was actually um, enough evidence available for us. And in terms of methodology, what we did was um, orient ourselves towards a systematic review. Yes, exactly. And um, as already introduced, so much like systematic reviews, the synthesis followed defined procedural steps um, to ensure both comprehensiveness and transparency. And yes, of course, to be uh, as systematic as possible um, in re regarding the methodology. Um, so first of all, for the selection of the evaluations and studies, five categories of inclusion criteria were defined. Um, so this means, for example, regarding the methodological design of studies um, and other criteria such as the language um, and publication date, as Amelie um, just mentioned. Um, altogether, we searched 24 databases for evaluations and academic studies. Um, also, we checked organization websites um, and some evaluations were made available by the German governmental implementing organizations for this exercise. And with this search, uh, so in databases and websites uh, and that uh, those evaluations that were provided, about 1,500 sources were identified initially. And the next exercise was to filter out relevant evaluations and studies. So in the first step, we reviewed manually for potential relevance. And in the second step, uh, we applied a text mining to further reduce uh, the number of potentially relevant publications. And this then resulted in 300 evaluations and studies that we classified uh, as relevant. And as we still could not review 300 evaluations within the scope of the evaluation, we then drew a sample of 70 evaluations in the end. So that was, uh, in the end, the number that we dealt with in this in this synthesis. This is very interesting. Now, I want to ask you uh, both, how did you achieve in such a complex approach the desired level of quality? Yes, indeed, Jose, that, that was one of the key issues, really, because as Magdalena said, there was no way that we could assess the 300 studies in detail. There were just not enough resources available for that. And second, of course, from a methodological point of view, um, it is desired to have a kind of even level of quality between the studies, right? Because you want to synthesize the findings and you need for that kind of comparable base. So what we did is 
we have defined a quality assessment grid um, that was done by help of colleagues. And uh, what we did was in orientation to OECD DAC criteria to define a quality grid and to assess the studies in the sample through this grid. And everyone that scored more than 60% of the maximum points available was actually then taken into the final sample. Having said that, a number of studies, actually more than 20 of studies did not meet the quality requirements. So they were excluded from the sample, which was a bit of a laborious approach really, because we then had to redraw another study and again, undergo the quality assessment. So that was maybe one downside of this exercise. Also, there was a risk, which we should say that um, there is a risk that we are a bit positively biased with this. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear, Amelie and uh, Magdalena. And uh, the fact that you already was checking for bias, um, it's a good sign of awareness of uh, an evaluator and um, us and evaluators. I also saw something very interesting, uh, which crossed my mind when I was reading the report. It's a framework synthesis method. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on this and why did you like, apply this particular method? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so the evidence from the evaluation synthesis was in fact uh, analyzed using the framework synthesis method. So what does it actually mean? Um, first of all, we classified findings into predefined categories um, in order to systematize and synthesize the evidence. And next, uh, we did the coding of effects and effect sizes, meaning looking at, is it a positive effect? Is it a negative one? Is it a small positive effect or a small or large negative effect along these categories? And based on the coded effects, we simply counted how many times a specific effect and in which direction is mentioned in the evaluations and studies. Um, this is a process that is often referred to as vote counting. So this comes from, from another field of research uh, that we used here. And then when we had once we had the counted uh, effects in the last step, a qualitative interpretation of the described effects followed. All right, so it's uh, very useful to know uh, one, of, uh, one more framework that we can apply uh, to qualitative research and to quantify uh, some findings. So thank you for uh, telling more about this. Now, um, if I may, uh, Alina, uh, this clearly indicates that it was a complex set of decisions that the team had to take in terms of choosing methodologies. But moving on from methodology and focusing now on the findings, I want to ask Magdalena and Amelie, what were the findings that were for you most striking and relevant to understand the private sector engagement? So with regard to the quality of evaluations, there was quite one striking observation, which was that the evaluation and studies scored very high when it came to descriptive aspects. So for instance, the description of the subject of the evaluation, the area of inquiry, the sources of information that were used, that was all fine. Significant room for improvement, however, was identified when we came to higher level results, like measuring outcome and impact, reporting unintended or negative effects. In this regard, um, the results showed kind of a poorer quality. And another interesting uh, observation for me was that the additionality concept was almost absent. 
I mean, out of the 50 to 70 studies that we have assessed, hardly anyone was dealing seriously with the issue of how additional the project was in the first place. And then the evaluation itself was silent about the additionality. So that was something that really struck. Yes, and in our findings, um, we differentiated between effects on different actors, uh, so different levels, uh, so to speak. So first, I want to highlight the findings on investors and donors here. And the most frequently recorded effect of all projects and instruments examined is on the mobilization of private capital, uh, which is not surprising given the topic, um, but the reported volume of mobilized capital uh, varies substantially in the evaluations and studies that we looked at, uh, ranging from a few thousand to several million US dollars. Um, then we have a second finding on the level of investors and donors. Um, this is about the coordination between public and private actors. And here it's a little different. Here the picture is uh, rather mixed. Um, so alongside many positive effects, uh, there are numerous negative effects documented as well. Um, and for instance, uh, they refer to the cooperation with private sector actors that um, often cause high transaction costs. And what the literature say in, in this regard is that due to complex negotiation structures and an increased need for coordination um, as interests and aims of the public and private sectors do not necessarily align, we sometimes have issue with transaction costs, at least in the beginning of the cooperation. Um, and as mentioned regarding the levels, then we have findings on the level of intermediaries, so actors that, for example, on-land the money, such as local microfinance banks, for example. Um, and at this level, we have an especially high number of effects on generating knowledge. Um, so overall, markedly more positive than negative effects are reported in terms of increased productivity and competitiveness through training activities. And we have a number, a high number of positive effects reported on the transfer of knowledge and technology as well. But also at the level of intermediaries, uh, challenges with the coordination of investors and donors are a notable exception to, to the positive picture that I just presented here. All right, uh, interesting, Magdalena. Um, in addition to uh, these findings that you mentioned um, related to private sector engagement, um, uh, you, you came across uh, some interesting findings, I believe, uh, uh, related to beneficiaries itself. Could you tell uh, a few words about this? Yes, exactly. So the, the two areas or the two levels I just mentioned are not really, not really the end beneficiaries that we, that we targeted with, with the program. So at this level, uh, we both looked into effects on the partner country, so more the you know, aggregate picture and um, on the effects of the target group. And on the level of the partner country, environmental effects are by far the most commonly reported positive effects. Um, this is rather surprising, and it's probably due to the fact that a high proportion of the underlying projects and instruments are used in the climate and environment sector here. Um, and on level of the target group, Alena, as you were, you were asking about here, the employment situation is really one of the areas of private sector engagement in which evaluations and studies most commonly reported positive effects. Um, a small caveat here. Uh, these resources seldomly differentiate between the creation of new employment opportunities and the creation of additional employment opportunities at the level of the labor market as a whole. So we would need a bit more differentiation of what kind of, of jobs are, 
in fact um, developed here. And in addition, evaluations and studies on private sector engagement observe a large number of positive effects on target group incomes. Uh, but it also has to be noted here that the effect not only include cases where beneficiaries take on new jobs or where they earn higher incomes than in their previous work, but also cases in which a project or the instrument secures the current income. So this is also included in this, in this uh, documented positive effect. Well, and what has to be borne in mind, in fact, is despite all these positive effects, we see a lot of positive um, outputs at different levels. It is a bit of a micro picture we are, we are concerned. So it is a pity that we didn't see a bit more robust evidence at the higher level, like um, outcome and impact. So, so we are a bit concerned that, that um, the picture is torn <laughs> and that it would be good to have some more measurements at the higher level to be sure actually about the, the overall merit, the overall value added by the private sector engagement. Thank you. Thank you for this. Um, Jose, let me uh, uh, turn to you. Uh, you have read the report. And um, are there any findings that uh, were particularly important for you that you would like to share with our um, listeners? Thank you, Elena. There are many interesting findings of the synthesis report by Deva on private sector engagement. And I sincerely hope that after listening to this podcast, our audience will rush to access and read it, read the report and learn from it. Now, if I had to choose one, the most salient feature is, I suppose, how misunderstood and perhaps underanalyzed is the criteria and the practice of additionality, even though it's at the heart of the value proposition put forward by international financial institutions. I mean, Amelie has already made reference to it and for me, it's really a paradox, given the increasing attention that shareholders of these international financial institutions are placing on additionality issues and the challenges around it. Yes, Jose, we couldn't agree more really to this. Um, and in fact, we have recommended to the German ministry and its implementing organizations that they should um, review the current concept of additionality as they apply it and make sure that this is um, uniformly understood, possibly further developed as well. And in fact, we wanted to um, start a bit of research work on this topic as well. And we would be very happy to engage with others, exchange experience and ideas on the additionality concept and how to measure it. Yet another recommendation um, of, our, of our report addresses the measurement and description of impact and is thus relevant, of course, for both evaluators um, and authors of evaluations and studies in the field. Um, what we believe is necessary is a better measuring of results at uh, especially outcome and impact levels. But as the issue roots in the concept phase of interventions and programs, a definition of expected results and means for measurement should be made explicit and then followed by improved meaning, in this case, more rigorous assessment of development impact. Thank you so much, Amelia and Magdalena, for these clarifications. Now, we have gone over methodological issues. We have touched on findings. Let's turn now to another aspect of your exercise. Can you help the audience understand what worked well from the point of view of the design and implementation of evaluation itself? And what would you say are the unique features of the exercise? I think um, that the quality assessment was one of the unique features of our evaluation. And I really believe that this is 
that this is key and and so it was also at the center of many of our recommendations. Um, for instance, one of the interesting findings we, we saw was that um, evaluation studies that were undertaken by the German implementing organizations and not published, um, they scored lower in quality than evaluations and academic studies that we found on the web um, done by international organizations. And we believe that possibly the publication thing is one of the reasons why those have undergone more quality assurance um, measures and scored higher in quality. Um, another reason that we see dense into the quality of evaluations seems to be that at the concept phase of a project, um, there is possibly not enough attention paid to the clear definition of objectives and to the clear setting of targets and indicators. So if that is missed at the beginning of a project, of course, it is very hard for an evaluation to, to come up and invent this ex post. What we see, and this is also to close on a positive note possibly, is a rise in the quality of evaluations over time. So this is quite a clear feature that we have um, seen is towards the end of our evaluation period, towards 2020, the studies and evaluations scored much higher than at the beginning 2010. So that is a reassuring sign. And we hope that this is also true. It would be interesting actually to assess this for the project conceptualization as well. Thank you very much once again, Amelia and uh, Magdalena. Uh, you looked at um, so such a wide um, um, area and, and um, conducted this evaluation. So I wonder um, if with all the identified uh, further areas um, of research that could be done, uh, Deval is going to do some uh, more uh, evaluations of private sector and uh, look at this subject uh, further. Uh, yes, thank you, Alina. Um, yes, in fact, it is. There is a special report on the subject in the making uh, that will also synthesize evidence on the topic from all DEVAL evaluations that covered private sector engagement, um, but will also bring in external experts on related topics such as impact investing here. Um, and further, we conducted a mapping exercise to really have a picture, a full picture of what does private sector engagement actually entail. Um, that will start any time now on, on our website. Thank you. This has been a very interesting discussion so far, and I am sure that AES audience will appreciate reading your report in full. The report will be available on uh, DEVAL website and also uh, in additional materials accompanying this podcast episode. Jose, so back to you. Uh, what would be your final comments and observations? Thank you, Elena. Uh, I think that this has been a very interesting discussion, as you pointed it out. And I want to thank again Amelie and Magdalena for sharing their work and raising awareness uh, on the methodological challenges around engagement of the international financial institutions with the private sector. I would just like to add that the next podcast from our thematic working group will be on the topic of the additionality of these international financial institutions. So stay tuned. Thank you very much, Jose. And this was the end of our podcast episode with Amelie Erlenberg and Magdalena Oeth. Thank you very much, Amelie, Jose and Magdalena for this interview. And thank you very much for, to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you will join us again for the next episode. Stay tuned. Goodbye.